Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Salut tout le monde, hi everybody. Well, that was fun. I mean, maybe not the six-hour goal review. Uh, that, that, that was a little much, but hey, Habs pull out a win and, and a hard-fought battle. That's the cool part here. We know the Canadians aren't going to make the playoffs, but you want to see some conviction. You want to see some effort. You want to see some pushback. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say thanks to Raphael Hervé-Pinard setting the tone. The Habs have been pretty entertaining lately. All right, so today... We have a great guest, and we're going to get to a bunch of topics, but this is one of my favorite people that I met when I moved to Montreal. Um, you all love him, and he's kind of kind of part of uh, a lot of families here, too, because when you think about it, play-by-play voices, they're, they're the other person watching the game with you. So we're going to get to Dan Robertson, who was the former voice of Montreal Canadiens and is now the voice of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll get to him in just one moment. We'll take all your questions. And your trivia. And I have a trivia question that's going to stump Dan. So if you, all of you in the chat, if you have a trivia question between like the 50s and the 80s, that's really, you know, like, you know, maybe around peak Van Halen era, that's where you're going to want to ask him a question. Okay, so um, shout out to everyone in the chat. Robert, how's it going? We have Kay, that's there too. Trizak, always here. Claire's always here because Claire's awesome. But you are all awesome. Um, And because of that, we're going to have an awesome time today. So let me just get into our promo. We're going to go ahead and read a message from our friends at Sports Interaction. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. As we know, the hockey season is still going strong. So you can bet pregame, live in play. There's also a ton of prop bets. Um, it's made by Canadians, for Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right. So as promised, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and bring in our guest, Dan Robertson, the man, the myth, the legend. First of all, Dan, I, I have to get this right out of the way. How is John Liu doing? John's doing great. Yeah, I know that he's glad to be back uh, in his. I know it's not where he was born. He was born in Vancouver, but grew up in Winnipeg. So he's uh, he's settling in well. And I know people in Montreal miss him, but he's he's in his element. So he's right where he wants to be. Perfect. And obviously, we're gonna get to your time in Montreal and all that. But we we everyone wants to know how you're doing. And they miss your voice, which I feel like is <laughs> one of the nicest things someone can ever say to someone. But um, how has it been this this move to Winnipeg this big career change well that's nice of you to say it's it's been good Mark it's uh as you know and as you've known I, I wanted to get the TV for quite a while and I enjoyed my time in radio at 690 and and learned a lot and felt that I got better I mean since I started uh, in 2014 I thought you know gradually I improved and and got to a spot where it was time for a change so uh, the crew that I work with in Winnipeg is terrific. Our producer's name is Kevin Pratt, and he is excellent. Kevin Sawyer does color with me, and, and I think he's tremendous, too. Oh, I, I caught a game, and, and he, was, just, he was fantastic. Great insight. Yeah, he, he is, and, and he's very, you know what, every once in a while I'll say, uh, we did a game not long ago, and afterwards I'll say, I said, uh, Kevin, I, I love when you started to chuckle after somebody made a good play, and he sometimes he'll kind of chuckle a bit, and he doesn't, I, he said, I did. I said, yeah, but that's just showing your enthusiasm for it. So I thought that was cool, but it's a great bunch of people. And I, I mean, I've, I've said this and I mean it, it's uh, any Canadian market, the fans love their team. I don't know if they love them anymore in Winnipeg than they do anywhere else, but 
I mean, it's, it's a smaller city, obviously, and a smaller community, but they're really passionate about their Jets. So it's not just Winnipeg, it's Manitoba. Um, you know, I did the games on TSN and they, they reached Northwestern Ontario uh, into, into Saskatchewan mm-hmm. and into Nunavut. So, you know, on any given night, there can be three to 400,000 people watching and they, they love their Jets. Uh, you don't have to go far outside of the rink for somebody to want to talk hockey. So it's, it's been a good fit for me. From from Winnipeg to Iqaluit, there are Jets fans everywhere. Uh-huh. Hey, I remember in the playoffs a couple of years ago, and and I'd like to talk about that because I think that was a pretty cool moment that we actually both kind of took part in. But uh, yeah, Jets fans were very intense, and they have a great team this year. So despite losing Jonathan Kovacevic, which I thought was a big loss for them, they're doing quite well. So you've watched a lot of good, high-tempo teams. Where do you put the Jets in there? Are they real contenders? I think they are. And one thing I've been thinking about, Mark, and maybe you can help me out. I forgot to, to double check it. The year with the, the Canadians, Max Domi had 72 points and the Canadians almost made the playoffs. And in the end, the last night of the regular season, I, they, they just got squeezed out. And that, that was a year where I thought everybody played almost as well as they could, mm-hmm. uh, almost to a man. And And it's almost like that with Winnipeg this year. Uh, I mean, Hellebuck won the Vesna a couple of years ago. I don't know if he's at that level, but he's really close. Um, Josh Morrissey, how about him as one of the better defensemen in the NHL now? Yeah, and I didn't didn't know Josh was that good. He's obviously far and away the best season he's had. Brilliant skater, good defensive defenseman. Uh, It's it's just Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I know that name keeps coming up. Uh, in Montreal, he's what? And I'm really impressed by him. No, I swear to gosh, Mark, you should I check it online sometime. I, I, I think you're lying. I've never heard this Dubois character you speak so highly of. Yeah. Well, that, that I mean, he's, that's fun because obviously, as a play-by-play, it's a lot more fun to you know have a little pep in your step and excitement, and it's fun for the fans too. So I'm really glad, honestly, Dan, and you, you know, I'm speaking from the heart here. I'm glad that it's working out, and I'm glad that the reaction. Uh, you're not going to like hearing this because you don't like when people. Uh, compliment you too much. You're very humble, but I'll say this, the reaction in Winnipeg has been unanimous that they love you. And I mean, they loved you here. So that's not too surprising for me. We're going to get into some questions from the chat in just one moment. Um, Yeah. Claire and they're all saying hi. They all basically just miss you right now. I want (laughs) to ask though, because you are from new Glasgow, Nova Scotia. Justin Barron is from, Is it, is it Halifax, Halifax official? Yeah, it... downtown Halifax. Yeah. So not not okay. Proper. Um, first of all, Nova Scotians are off the chart because the last time I wrote anything about Justin Barron, about 90% of the clicks were coming from Nova Scotia. Uh, <laughs> what's your what's your what's your read on this kid? Because you're seeing a guy that's emerging slowly yet surely, and you know some of his family, um, but he looks like he has all the skill sets to really become an impact player. We saw it tonight. It wasn't just a goal. It was him uh, retrieving pucks and it was him in transition, smooth skating. I actually think you called his first NHL goal, if I remember correctly. Um, which I was did, on yeah. Great, great skating. So what's your read on this kid? Do you think there's a, there's legitimate uh, top pairing to, uh, or top four potential there? Well, you know what? I'd like to bounce some stuff off you too and get your thoughts on them. I'll, I'll tell you how it started for me when they made the deal and they sent Lekin into Colorado. Obviously, that worked out for Arturi and for the Avalanche. But mm-hmm. I started to get a hold of some of my contacts back in Halifax. So I got a hold of Cam Russell, who was his GM with the Mooseheads. Cam said, "Elite skater," and and I dug in a little bit more to see people who um, either coached him or played with him. I mean, we heard what Nate McKinnon said when they traded him. He 
he said he's going to be a great player. That's paraphrasing. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, I was like everyone else. I, I saw first round, first round pick. And Willie Paloff, who writes for the Chronicle Herald in Halifax, I leaned on him a lot. He's a really good hockey mind. And he saw a lot of Justin. Oh, and he knows so everything see, first, on the island. Everything. Everything on the island. He does. Yeah. <laughs> so first round pick, right shot, good size, great skater. But I think everybody thinks, all right, he's going to be an impact player right away. But sometimes I think we forget how long it takes for most to become a really good NHL defenseman. So I like the fact that he was back in the American Hockey League. And his brother Morgan plays for the Jets, of course. And I've chatted with him uh, about Justin. I said, you guys are different players. He said, yeah, I got the size. Justin got the wheel. So I, I like his development. I, and I can't say I haven't followed him as closely but as you have. skater, I but mean, it's the type I, of skating so, that you see from elite NHL defensemen these days. Just that... You know, not the clunky stuff that you or I would put when we were playing back in the day. You know, this, <laughs> just this immaculate skating. Um, and and yeah. you, but you know his parents, right? Is that uh, or is it father? No, no, it's just just his brother Morgan okay. a little bit. It was one thing was neat when we were in Montreal on uh, I think it was the sixteenth and seventeenth of January, and in the broadcast we found out where they were sitting. Of course, it was the first time their brothers played against each other, and that was a big storyline. So yeah. we kept putting the camera on them. I think mom had a Jets cap on, dad had a Canadians cap, and I thought, well, they can't lose, right? One of these boys is going to win the game. So, <laughs> but I, you know, that I, that stuff, I I always love that stuff. I love best part of hockey that I call this. It is. And I mentioned, you mentioned that I call this first NHL goal, or first goal is a half. No, it was first NHL goal. It was goal. his first NHL and, goal, yeah. Uh, right. And he, like, backskated all around the perimeter, drilled one. Whenever anyone on either team would score their first goal in Montreal, uh, that was one of my favorite calls to get to do because, look, it's a special place. And uh, when he did it, I thought it was magnificent. So uh, I think, you know, from what I can tell, just from the outside looking in, he's got a really bright future. Yeah, well, one of the things that happened in, in, for the parents was the mom took off her Jets hat at one point after right. <laughs> I think the Habs took the lead there. So that didn't look great for a little while. But obviously, I, I'm with you, Dan. There are very few things um, that I find more wholesome and more like pure to hockey than seeing parents. Because, you know, you know, obviously, as a father, just the fruits of your labor, the amount of time, the intensity. And when it comes to guys playing at this level, there's usually a huge amount of sacrifice. So, yeah, that that to me is kind of what makes hockey go. And I realized that during the pandemic, that was really when it kind mm -hmm. of clued into me that it, other than results, it's more about seeing, you know, people help other people reach their goals. So uh, in that sense, obviously he's lucky to have a, a pretty decent family there. I don't know them personally, but I heard great things and people from Nova Scotia usually are, are they're like, okay. Usually some guys, not so much, but uh, yeah, there's no, that Brad guy. Just, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's kind of the outlier, but we're, look, we're all, all Nova Scotians. I think get a kick out of seeing so many quality Nova Scotians in the, in the league right now. And it's been that way for a number of years. So small percentage or small population, but uh, some pretty high end players coming out of there. Yeah. I think, uh, the only NHL player that that would be like less popular to me is Brad Marchand in Nova Scotia. That's that, this is like the only. Well, there's some areas in Nova Scotia where he would, uh, they would obviously uh, bring him in. But yeah, no, I, I love seeing also the opportunity because, as you know, Dan, when's the last time you do you remember a, a team ever icing four rookies on the blue line? Uh, Mark, let's go back. Let's go way back. Head, I can no. I, I think the Flyers maybe for one game in like 2003. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I can remember that. And, and when I saw uh, what was coming down the, the line with the Canadians this year after Matheson got hurt, I thought, oh, wow, they're going to be in trouble. But they yeah. 
kept their collective heads above water for quite a while. So it was pretty good to see. All right. So there a quick question here from Trizax asking, uh, last season, and you, you weren't around there, but you have noticed now there, it seems like there's almost a positive vibe with the Jets. Last year, there was yeah. a lot of criticism about the room. You know, there was some heavy words thrown around about the health of the locker room. What do you think changed there? I think Rick Bonus was a part of it. Uh, and obviously when he came in, and I wouldn't think it was his decision alone, but they tried, they didn't try, they decided to take the C away from Blake Wheeler. And I think what's happened from what I can gather, just talking with other writers and, um, you know, well, not so much players because they're not going to say all that much, but uh, just that he, he had that sort of weight taken off of his shoulders. And I think for him, that was great, obviously. And it probably changed the dynamic in the room a little bit. And there was some roster, a little bit of uh, an overhaul. All I can say, not being there last year, I can say that it is very, very positive this year. I mean, winning will do that, but you got the sense even in the first two, three weeks of the regular season, there was a really good feeling in the locker room. And, you know, unless you're in that room, and we can all speculate, but unless you're there, you can't really know exactly. With cameras what off, happens. yeah. So, that's like it's when we're yeah. in the locker room, it, it's not the real locker room. It, it's not. And and we would ask Rick that. And, you know, Rick had the right answer. Rick Bonus, he'd say, well, I wasn't here last year, but he knew. I mean, obviously, when he came on, he knew what uh, what was going uh, what was going to be in front of him. But he's been very positive. And at the same time, he's when they need to be corrected, he's quick to correct them. He's uh, outwardly critical in a good way. I think uh, in a post game, he wears his heart in his sleeve. And, you know, it's a veteran team that I think if they can make a couple of good moves down the stretch, you know, the, the West is wide open, I think, to a certain extent, and they've got the goaltending. So I'm I'm really interested to see what they're going to do uh, as their other, you know, other teams have a chance to make some moves too. So it'll be fun to, to figure out who they're going to acquire. Do you, by default, always cheer Nick Ehlers a little more than everyone else? I do, but it's because <laughs> I like him. Um, and I, so his last, uh, wait now, his first year junior, in Halifax, uh, I believe it was. It would have been 2013, 2014. I should know that, but I think, yeah, I think that was his first year in junior, and he was he was a hundred point guy right away. Yeah. And Drew I was on that team, and they went to the semifinals of the Quebec League Championship. But oh, was that the year that McKinnon him, had graduated, but Drouin stayed behind? That's right. Yeah, and then it was would have been Timo Meyer's first year, but Timo. Uh, I think it was his first year, but he, he didn't have an impact uh, season. And the next year he blew up. But And Frick, uh, Frick was still on the on the team, I believe, right? Yeah, I can't. I, and you know what? I don't know if Marty was a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old, but okay. one of the hardest shots you've ever seen. But uh, Nikolai, he's a really nice guy to talk to. And, you know, I'm just a, I'm a normal guy. And mm -hmm. I lean toward those people and cheer for them a bit more. But he's so dynamic too, right? Like he, he'll take off in the offensive zone and skate around the perimeter. Uh, he's a left shot. He goes well, whatever it is, clockwise, and head is up, and he makes a lot of great plays. He's he's a blast to watch, so I, I, uh, I really cheer for him. One thing, and actually Kay just brought it up in the chat that I wanted to jump in and mention, was that, I don't know if you remember the Jake Evans incident. Um, yep. One of the things that really struck out, as, that stood out there for everyone, was that everyone lost their minds except for Nick Ehlers. He was the only guy on either side that was worried about Jake Evans. Right. So he kind of jumped into the more he was being right. Um, right. He, he actually was pushing Canadians players away and he was worried for the safety of his opponent. When in that situation, you could actually that could look bad because you're not backing up your guys. Right. But yeah. I thought that was um, 
uh, yeah, to me, that's the mark of a, of a good human being. So I'm glad to I hear agree. that, uh, that our things are going well there now. Um, <laughs> okay. So blessed says here, can we please ban the word tank from being used until the last week of the season? Dan, what's your, what, what's your call on tanks? Cause every GM says, we're not tanking. We're not tanking. But that's bullshit. GMs do tank. Yeah. Players don't tank. What do you think has been going on this year? Because I see teams like Chicago and Columbus and Anaheim, and I feel that's that's getting close to what the Penguins did with Lemieux. Uh, like almost, <laughs> you know, it's getting a little greasy there. So what's yeah. what's your view on the whole tank fest that's been going on in the in the NHL? Well, I agree with what you say. Coaches and players don't tank. It's it's GMs and organizations, and and you get it to a certain extent, but it it can get to a point where the integrity of the game is, you know, right. quite in question a little bit, and it, it's it's bothersome. You don't like to see teams um, not ice as strong of a roster as they can. But it, it I listen. I I get tired of that term. Just be, so I would like, even if you wrap it into today. So if you look at today's game, the Canadians and the Islanders, just as a one-off, it's a Saturday. There's a bunch of kids there. Mm-hmm. They were losing. They fought back and they won. Or is there anybody out there? And this is from a fan's perspective. I guess there's people out there disappointed that they got the extra point or, or two points. But you know what? Try and tell a player, okay, uh, you know, go out there in the third period and, and don't try to fight back. A hockey don't try to get who, back into who, who's yeah. been told their yeah. entire lives like you never give up. Yeah. No, and I know that's not what you're getting at, but it's uh, it does. You, you hate to see teams that really struggle so much that they're just not they're not an NHL caliber team. That's why I'm impressed by what the Canadians have been able to do, even they're with kind of walking the line there. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it's strange. So I, I mean, I think you just kind of. You roll the bones and, and play, and, and whatever happens, you, you get the pick you get, and you go on from there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's well. I think the Avalanche are pretty much proof struggling. that you don't need to be picking first. You know, well, I guess yeah. if a Kale McCarr falls to uh, to fourth overall, that's pretty good. But uh, I'm with you there, Dan, because I had season tickets at the Ottawa Civic Center. In 1992-93, and the head coach was Rick Bonus as well. <laughs> yeah. um, Peter Sidorkovich was their goal was their goalie. I think Sean Hill was like their second best scorer, and he was on defense. And it was terrible. It wasn't <laughs> fun to see. You know, it's like it's. Uh, I think one of the most important things here, Dan, especially in Montreal, is giving the fans value for their money. That doesn't mean you have to win, but you have to go full Raphael Hervé Pinard and you know bring that effort. Which I'll give right. credit to house fans. I feel like they've been actually pretty patient this year. But um, thankfully, guys like Raphael, Harvey Pinard are, are, are jumping in and being just... Think of it this way, Dan, and you played hockey. How tough is it to go from the AHL to the NHL and then to the top line, yeah. but all due to merit? Like, you forced your way on. I, I, I think Raphael, Harvey Pinard has been one of the best stories, you know, not just for the Canadians, in, in the second half of the season. It's really fantastic and, and great guy. It's good to see good yeah. people succeed. It is, and I think even the fact that he's undersized a little bit and, and is the underdog, that's cool. Uh, and any time you have a season like Montreal's had where they've been decimated by injuries, and we saw it uh, a couple of years ago too, last year, I guess, mm-hmm. the years are starting to blend together, but it gives somebody... Time has lost all meaning, my friend. <laughs> it's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it gives somebody a chance where they normally wouldn't get an extended look. Or it might give somebody like Harvey Pinard you know, a shot on the top line where otherwise maybe they'd plug him into the fourth line and give him four shifts a game and he wouldn't be able to show what he's able to do. So yeah. all of that stuff is part of the reason that it, it shows that there's there's room there's room for players like that. There's room for 
guys who don't blow you away when you, you look at them in first blush, but there's more if you scratch and dig a little deeper and, and see how much they bring to the ice and, and how smart they are. There is a role for those players. And there's passion and too, to right? That's the other part is yeah. bringing that passion, especially in a season. I'll tell you right now, Dan, in my opinion, I know Suzuki and Caulfield are important, but this year, from an entertainment standpoint, it's been Arbor Jackay and Raphael Hervé Pinal that have brought the, you know, the entertainment factor. And those are your guys that you didn't have on the roster to come in with. So, I mean, yeah. it's so difficult to actually score on the fourth line uh, just to make his way up. And he looks and he's making Josh Anderson look good. He's making Nick Suzuki look good. Fantastic story from him. And, and, and again, he's just a happy go lucky guy, which you've dealt with a lot of hockey players. It's fun once in a while to have the guys that are just in a good, excited mood rather than that stoic, like I'm about to go to yeah. a wake type of type of thing. And so yeah. who's, who's the most exciting guy? Who's the most fun guy in the Jets locker room, by the way? That would be Nate Schmidt. Yeah. He's uh, he is always happy and smiling and, and willing to chat with you. And he, he's a, he's a great guy. Adam Lowry is, um, incredibly giving with his time and and to the point where i mean early in the season when you know i was just kind of trying to get to know guys um i asked i said can i ask you a question he said sure so you know he gave me an answer from what i wanted and then he talked for another two minutes and he asked me a question i'm thinking what planet am i on here this doesn't normally happen but uh yeah schmidt's one of those guys who's um they he got hurt in a game against um nashville and he's not somebody who's going to uh, light it up on the score sheet or be a dominant defenseman. But, and, and you know what? I understand too, where people say, well, I'm tired of hearing so-and-so is good in the room or he's a good influence. You do need those guys. And that's not just what he does, but he's, you, you know, you talk to the Jets and to a man, they just love him. And, and I understand that he's a, he's a really good presence for them. Is access one of the best things about, and we're going to get into your time in Montreal. We're going to jump into another segment there, yeah. but how has the access been in Winnipeg to, to talk to players and coaches? I don't want to throw any shade in Montreal, but has, how has it been it's okay. in your new job? Well, it's, it's about the same as it was um, pre-COVID uh, in oh, Montreal. Okay. So yeah. when, when I was at 690, we, we were rights holders. They still are. So we could get um, sort of exclusive access along with the other rights holders to, uh, to the head coach for a few minutes um, the morning, uh, say the morning of a game after a skate. So that's good, but it's nice to just, I will say personally, Mark, and, and you know, I used to do this. I had the, I was the reporter for 692. So when I would go in the room, I'd have to get the mic in there and ask questions and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Now that I don't do that, I can, if a player is speaking, uh, yeah, I can, I can just meander off and sit with someone and say, you know, how you doing and, and just get to know them a little bit. So which is I how really it's supposed like to that. work, right? It's supposed to be the give it and take is. as opposed to give me one, and and I'll say it, I hate scrums. I always have because I was oh, born into them in Montreal where it's just a bunch of zombies clawing for the same piece of brain, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's all we were. So yeah, yeah, the fact that you have a little bit more one-on-one -on -one time, uh, that's gotta be, gotta be a huge perk and the pierogies, right? Well, listen, yeah. And uh, Kobasa is a big deal, which I didn't know. And honey dill sauce in, in, in Manitoba. Is honey a big dill? Thing, which honey dill. So that sounds disgusting, man. No, it's it's good. I went to the Elephant and Castle with some of the guys and our producer Kevin Pratt. I mentioned earlier. He said you have to have these chicken fingers and you have to have this honey dill sauce. And I said I, I've never heard of this. And I tried it. And it's uh, I don't know if it's unique to Manitoba or just mm. you can Vinegar only get it there. Honey. But mm. uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. It's it's quite good. So uh, yeah, every every place in Canada has some signature thing, I guess, and that's one of theirs. Um, okay, so 
uh, you know what you probably do miss though is having access to more mesos. Um, oh yes, <laughs> I yeah, I'm a little... human being, Mark. I, I do miss them for sure. <laughs> and we'll get into that in just a little bit. And I want to try to stump you now, Dan, because you know you and I we would stay up late for hours and hours, and I try to stump you with a bunch of trivia, and it never works. Yeah. So if anyone in the chat has a question, go for it. But here's my question to you, Dan. Who is? And this is actually a trick question. I'm just throwing it yep. out right off the bat, but who is the all-time penalty leader in the NHL that was not born in North America? That was not born in North America. Okay, I'm... Now, would this guy have played in the 80s and 90s primarily? Uh, maybe even before, actually. Well, there's okay, there's the okay. cheating answer, which is kind of giving, yeah. uh, giving it away. And then there's the actual answer. But uh, the, 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 the guy that... There's two names in the, here. One of them played uh, alongside one of your favorite players. Okay. Okay, <laughs> that would be Mar Mario Lemieux. Yeah, exactly. Mar and um, okay. another one played for the North Stars, I believe. Played for the North He was Stars. born in Paraguay. Oh, that's Willie Plett. Yeah, it, Willie Plett was uh, a flame and a Bruin and a North Star, and he was tough as nails. So that would be, uh, yeah, he's from Paraguay. I remember grabbing the hockey card as a kid and saying, where the hell's Paraguay? You know, so then you <laughs> grab the map. And how did that happen? So, uh, okay, so so the Penguin, this guy was Well, and he also penguin. played against Mario a few times. Like, he, okay. I, I think he was the most hated guy at one point between 1990 and 1995 in the NHL. Oh, okay, between 1990 and 1995. Um, well, I know Claude Lemieux was born in Quebec, so that doesn't fit. And he never <laughs> played for, for the Penguins. Oh, yeah. um, we were... 0.3% of it go of it being an, a good answer there but he's um okay I, if i remember correctly he drew the ire of Tai Domi on several occasions okay okay I'm, and he's I'm legitimately born him. he wasn't because obviously Piet was canadian just born in paraguay but this guy i would put him yeah. right up there with Darius Kasparaitis in terms of the most hated guys that played in, in the NHL okay okay i'm i'm dying a slow death so well you know, Kasparitis himself might have been a good guest, but, right? uh, but not so much, yeah. I, uh, and I believe he even took out Mario Lemieux's knees at one point and then joined the, joined the Pens, if I'm not... Uh, Darius did, yeah. Kasparitis. Oh, no, I'm talking about the, the other or, guy. Or yeah, guy. Darius did as well, really? yeah. Jesus. Uh, man, death. Swedish. Was he a defenseman? Yeah. Swedish, okay. Uh, Thomas Sandstrom. Nope. No? Okay. Uh, Sandstrom was... Yeah, anyway... Born in Finland, but raised in Sweden. Now, oh, okay, you know what, Dan? Might, was he actually born in Sweden? Because now, now I'm reading, I might have just... No, 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 I, but it, it, Alf Samuelsson yes. uh, must have been. Yeah, I wouldn't, that's a, that's a good one. So Alf was a Didn't he play Alf for, the, didn't he play for the, the Penguins at the end there? He did. He won a cup with them in, uh, he came over in that Francis trade. So in 91, the Penguins traded Cullen uh, to Hartford, chiefly he was the main guy and then francis and samuelson came back the other way and uh yeah and so then all played played for the rangers for a bit uh but you remember ty domi yeah i knocked him out with that left hand was that was that the was ultimate the ty domi oh. and you know what then at the time everyone was just kind of like yeah okay like that's <laughs> okay yeah, you do that today he's going to prison right 
<laughs> yeah, no, and one of the fun, most fun things that we would uh, we would do. Well, okay, I'm gonna go through some questions here. But Dan, what was the name of that Vancouver? <laughs> I, I just crack up thinking. <laughs> yeah, Mike. So here's the story. I showed Mark this YouTube video one night. Mike Robitaille was playing for the Canucks. And I think it was Dennis Ochar who hit him. This was yeah. back in the early to mid seventies. And the old, and, uh, the old no, Laval Rockets uh, GM there was standing right beside him there. Um, right, Larry Carrier, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, it was an ugly scene. So Robitaille hit his head on the ice, no helmet, and you know it, to watch it. I remember showing you, Mark, and you're like, "Did this actually happen?" They may as well have put him in a wheelbarrow and taken him to the dump. I think they just heaved him onto a stretcher. Well, first, they first they to... carried him out like weekend. Weekend at Bernie's styles, where he was yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was bad, and, and Mike Robitaille suffered for a long time from that. He eventually became a, bro a broadcaster with Buffalo. Mm -hmm. But if uh, folks ever want to go to YouTube and type in Mike Robitaille injury, it's it's it you goes to, to show the game has come. How yeah. like I mean, you know, you talk about guys like Chris Nyland and even your old partner um, Sergio, the amount of abuse that they went through. But this when when Robitaille yeah. got brought off the ice, he was he was hanging off the stretcher half off. Oh yeah, and then they like stuffed them into a janitor's closet in the back like, yeah. you know, like they just and it's yeah. okay oh. we're not horrible people because we're laughing it's just that the absurdity of it all yeah. um and i believe the vancouver canucks even find him um because he didn't show up at training camp because he was going through uh, uh he had surgery and anyways I, yeah you're right. You're right. So it's, but you know, you look at it and think how far the game has come, but uh, mm -hmm. it's, I know that he, he's been well for a number of years, but it affected him for a long time. It's just such a crazy, crazy piece of hockey <laughs> and, history. And anytime I, I bring it up on Twitter, people are like, no, did this really happen? Is this a real thing? <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know if anyone remembers, uh, you know, Mike Modano getting dropped on the stretcher. It was so much worse for Rabdai, like yeah. so much worse. All right. It was bad. We're going to... Oh, okay, so what, what do you think about this jersey curse? Obviously, jersey curses are BS, but do you think the players like playing with new jerseys? I think players are creatures of comfort. I don't think they think it's cursed, but they probably don't love switching too much. Do you think it actually makes a, a, a difference? No, I don't think it makes a difference. Um, you know, I'll see some people say, oh, these jerseys are cursed. Well, come on. Now, we do know... They're that, sacrilegious, uh, athletes, yes, but they're not yeah, cursed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Athletes are superstitious people, and that's, you know, that's going down the same road. But I I don't know. I had a... I used to call football, university football, back years ago. And John McNeil, who's uh, probably 20 years older than me, used to do color with me. And, and yeah. we talked about this one time. He said, Dan, jerseys can't be cursed, but they can sort of plant a negative seed in a player's brain or in his thought process. And I thought, well... I never really thought about that, but um, I would think if, if one of your players is worried about the color of his jersey or if it's powder blue or uh, red, then, you know, you have some bigger concerns. But uh, maybe the win today will kind of quell some of that outrage. But it is it is a little – I don't know anyone, and uh, with, you know, with respect to the Canadians, whatever, I don't really know anyone who said to me, ah, I like those jerseys a lot. I, I can't find anybody. No, and, and I mean, I think last year, the departure, like going to those dark blues, that was pretty neat, interesting. This year, it's kind of just, you know, it, it felt like they're going back to the nostalgia well. Now, I can't, I don't want to crap them on too much because that's actually the department I used to work with, marketing with the Canadians. Yeah. But I will say this yeah. in general. I think the NHL has to, if you're going to rely on nostalgia that much, make it, make it perfect, make it nice because there's only so many times you can go back and remind people of the good old days. Um, yes. You know, and, and there, I don't know, there's something about 
pumping out a, a third jersey every year that just feels pretty predatory. You know, it's a jersey they're going to wear six times and never again. So I don't know. I, I feel like lately in the NHL, we're really losing a little bit focus of, and I don't know why I'm getting so negative, but with the board ads, um, you know, with, yeah. with, with, with the endless, endless reviews and whatnot, we're kind of losing some of the fun involved, uh, involved with hockey. Um, but I'm getting negative. I don't want to get negative. I want to stay positive because you, you are here for how many years, Dan? How, well, actually you are in Montreal right now, but how long were you in Montreal? Eight seasons. So I started in, in 2014 and, uh, yeah, just finished my last season last year. So eight, which, uh, in a way it seems like it flew by and in a way it seems like it was a lot longer, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It was, it, yeah, time passed quickly, but there were, there were chunks that, uh, that, that stretched out. I want to ask you, Dan, because again, we talk about play by play and you and me have, we've spoken about what makes a good play by play person, but can you explain it to the fans in the chat right now? Who are your influences and um, what truly is the mark of a good play-by-play? Personally, I was I had René Le Cavalier and today was RDS's 30th anniversary and Pierre Hood has been there since the beginning. To me, yeah. no offense, Dan, Pierre Hood is the oh, king of play-by-play um, in hockey. But I've been kind of yeah. lucky that I've been, had some great... So who are your influences when you were growing up? I, I think... Uh, to say just one wouldn't be fair because, you know, I've been asked this before and I'm, I'm glad you asked me because I like talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I have been saying for the longest time, and I do, do believe it, Chris Cuthbert for me uh, has been a massive influence, but I, I almost downplayed Bob Cole's influence. And then I heard like a month ago, and I heard it again today, actually, was his goal call from when Sackick scored in the Olympics. Oh, yeah. And the hair on my arms just stood right up. And I thought, you know, nobody's ever, ever controlled a game with his voice or matched the game with his voice like Bob Cole. And you know what I'm talking about. When it's, I say it's, that. it's just a cadence. It's you don't even need to. Yeah. I call it the kitchen test. Right. So if you're yeah, in the kitchen yeah. and you hear Bob Cole start the crescendo, you know, OK, yeah. you have about five seconds to get in front of your TV because something's going to happen. Yeah. So he's telling a story without even using words. And that's no, it's true. You know. It's true. And, and how does that you know, how does that develop? Right. It's just over time. Right. You get this sort of an innate sense of anticipating what's going to happen. And, it, you know, if you're fortunate and I feel that way about Chris Cuthbert, too, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would say this and not to not to disrespect him at all. Like it. I, I don't think Chris maybe has the best voice ever. It's not like Bob Coles and Chris would say that I'm sure, but, mm-hmm. but he knows he can uh, anticipate a spike in the play, uh, a change in momentum. And he can, he can sort of let you know that's happening through his voice. And I love that. So um, I think, you know, the thing about it is uh, nobody uh, is original. I mean, you, you, you take in bits and pieces subliminally, I think over the years, uh, just, you know, by osmosis. And then hopefully yeah. if you work at it hard enough, you, uh, you become okay at it yourself. And for me, that's it. It's, it's somebody who doesn't get in the way, somebody who doesn't try to become the show because you're not the show. It's, it's, you're just there to kind of help, uh, accentuate a few things. I like somebody who's clear and somebody who's concise with a, with a good vocabulary and uh, somebody who can, you know, if you're looking away for a second and you hear his voice, his cadence change, like you said, it makes you, makes you look back at the TV or turn up the radio, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think we've been blessed with a lot of great 
play-by-play in Montreal. Um, you included that, obviously. You know, the fans no, were pretty... Thanks, they, they, were, they were disappointed but happy for you when you moved on. Um, they did, but it felt like there was almost no closure, right? Because you kind of left mid, uh, you know, uh, you yeah. know, in the summer and whatnot. So one of the questions Trizak's asking here is, what was your fondest memory in your time in Montreal? It doesn't have to necessarily be hockey. But what was your fond- yeah. fondest memory? You, almost, you spent almost a decade here. Yeah, um, there's a lot. Uh, and if I just think of hockey moments, I mean, there were, when the Canadians went to the Cup, there were some big ones. But a lot of those were, you know, lessened because the building wasn't full. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Kakanyemi scored, ascended to a Game 7, that was awesome. But can you imagine what it would have been like with 21,500 people there? Uh, so I, I regret that that wasn't the case. But uh, there's a few things I think about, uh, and this is going to sound silly maybe, but the night that Ryan Paling made his debut and scored a hat-trick at the last game of the season and then scored the shootout game-deciding goal, mm-hmm. it was a game where – I think that's the season where they almost made the playoffs. I referenced it earlier where everybody kind of had a career year or close to it. Yeah. It was almost like there, it was a celebration of hockey in a way or a celebration of the season. The fans were kind of – giving it back to the players saying, we appreciate the effort this year. And it was like, it was almost like a playoff game. And to me, that was the best to be able to um, just be in that building and part of the game in a small way over and over so many times. Uh, And my first, my first game, uh, I think it was the Rangers in 2014. That was the Canadians home opener. I'm quite sure that Carey Price got the torch from Ken Dryden. And I, Man, was, I was almost Ken Dryden? Yeah, I don't remember him. Uh, huh. Yeah, I, I think it was. I took my headset off, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I had never been to a game at the Bell Center before that, not a regular season game. And I just thought, wow, I'm, I'm in the right place right now. So yeah. there's so many like that. Even the last the last game, it looks like. That's Gary what I was Price's thinking about career. when you were mentioning the Paling game, the, the 10-2 game yeah. against Florida. Yeah, right. And that game didn't mean anything. So they scored 10 goals after not long after number 10 passed away. Uh, Carey Price with the with the reaction after he made the save on Ben Sherratt and Renaud Lavoie, I give him credit. The next day he spoke with Price and said, did you prepare for that game like it might be your last? And I thought, what a good question. And Carey said, yeah, I did. And it probably, well, it, it was, right? So, uh, yeah. but there have been so many moments like that. Even another one, Mark, I don't want to make this answer too long. Oh, I want to I, I I I hear all of them because this stuff fascinates well, <laughs> me. There's one call that I want you to mention, but I don't want to give it away just yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, my first year, and I'll preface this by saying I I was one of the first people in my group of friends who had a satellite radio, and I would get it because I love listening to ball and I love listening to hockey. Yeah. I did that for years. So then I get a job, and I'm one of those voices. I think, wow, that's cool. So we go to New York City one time. I'm pretty sure it was the fall of of uh, 2014 and it was in madison square garden my second favorite place to call a game and it's back and forth and lundquist and pricer nets and it's a tremendous game patch already scores they win one nothing and i i you know i was still kind of trying to feel my way into the job and sergio said you called a really good game and i thought okay that means a lot to me we're flying home we land, I've got the radio on, and it's uh, it's satellite radio. And last night at Madison Square Garden, a one nothing game between the Canadians and the Rangers. Here's Dan Robertson with the call on the Pacioretty goal. And I hear my goal call, and I went, holy shit, that's me, you know? So I thought, okay, this is... This is pretty good. Hey, Dan, I felt, that's, uh, I, it's cool to be humble, but that's cool as fuck. That's a, that's a, that's like a, one of the dreams, yeah. right? <laughs> it was, and I, I allowed myself. I said, okay, Dan, that's 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 pretty good. You're allowed to be happy with that. So 
there've been a lot of those moments and I, you know, I've, I always felt fortunate to, to sort of end up where I did. So mm-hmm. it, it was a great eight years here. I think that last game again, you know, 10 to, it didn't mean much, but especially with the Guilafra, yeah. I think the 10 minute and 10 second ovation, you know, all that, yeah. the game before it was, uh, it kind of punctuated by Montreal's special market that, yeah, it was a failure of a season, but you know, at the end when they went and they saluted his numbers, it was kind of a, a, a reminder to all these fans of like the glorious pass here. Like there's a reason why, you know, it got built up as much as it is. And I feel like we're kind of losing that, that link to the past. Obviously, if, mm-hmm. you know, if we lose Ivan Colnoy, which, which I'm not saying he's in bad health or anything, then you kind of yeah, lose yeah. Your, your real link to the dynasty. So it's important to, you know, to, 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 to keep is. that up. Yeah. So what about the Brett Kulak call? Because then, I mean, everyone references the Brett Kulak call. Did you, okay, do you prepare? You're not, you're not a preparer. You don't prepare like lines, right? Like, holy stromboli, no. we got a cannoli or whatever some no. guys do. Um, I, I don't, no, no. And I, uh, and I think you kind of hate okay. those cheesy lines, don't you? <laughs> uh, I, I don't like them. They, they don't work for me. I'll say that. There's been a couple of, uh, you know what? There's one that I, one that I didn't have that I should have called. And I thought of this the day after, and it was when Kotkaniemi scored to force a game seven in Toronto, mm-hmm. I should have said, yes, 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 Barry Kotkaniemi. And I, but I didn't. And I thought, why didn't I think of that at the time? But you can't really, uh, you can't do that. But the Kulak thing was funny. It was just a, I think it was a game tied late and uh, it was a face-off win and Kulak scored. And I just kind of leaned into Kulak. And so Sean Campbell, who uh, obviously works at TSN 690, he got a kick out of it and he pushed it and he pushed it. And he, you know, he would play it from time to time and it kind of caught on with a few people. So I got a kick out of that. And Brett and I actually talked about it one time. So yeah, well, he brought, Brett brought it up with me at one point there, you know, cause oh. he's like, he's like, that's just every athlete wants that cool moment. Cause that's the other part, Dan, when they go back and they look at their careers, you're there, right? You're still there. Is there an added pressure to not screw up in those situations? Oh, there is. Like, do you remember? Uh, I believe I, it was actually Chris Cuthbert that when the Habs scored in Game Seven to eliminate the Leafs, he was almost he was almost at a loss of words. Well, there was one. Well, that was a time too. I can remember. So it would have been Game Five mm-hmm. when Galchenyuk turned the puck over at the Canadians' line, two on zero, Suzuki and Caulfield, and yeah. we were calling the game out of the studio because of COVID. And the puck was, went out of the net. Dan, can we say, angle? that was so dumb. That was, sure. it's it, it like was asking bad. a person to race a car, but from home with a fake steering wheel. Like it's, yeah. yeah it, it, and it still goes on today, right? It still happens. But uh, mm. no, and the puck came out of the net in a funny, in a funny way, in a strange trajectory. And I beat myself up because I, I waited a half second or so to make sure, or probably longer than a half second. My call wasn't great, but then I heard other calls. I thought, yeah, we're all human, right? So, um, Yeah, I know there was a story years ago when I think the San Francisco Giants had won their first World Series since 1954. And I think it was Mike Kruko said something like, and for the first time since 1955, the San Francisco Giants win the World Series. Something along those lines. So you can't get those moments back. And uh, yeah, it's always kind of, you're thinking when big moments come, don't blow it, don't blow it. But, uh, you know... And you know me, I've been hard on myself. But You're incredibly hard on yourself because you, okay. Trying to get better. For those in the chat, that Dan would, would let's say you go grab a beer or something, grab a quick bourbon, you'd, be, you'd name like 30 things you didn't like. Whereas me, the end user, I was like, no, that was fantastic. 
Uh, so I, I guess, but it does show you do put your homework in, which I think it does show with the uh, the the overall product, right? And yeah, you also know that you're in such privileged situation to be like the fact that you get to get paid to call these games. Yeah, that's the dream. It is, and it's. Uh, I've tried to become easier myself over the years. You, um, a lot of uh, shots, pucks get tipped and, and redirected very quickly, and. I mean, we saw one today. Doc had a nice redirect, and you know Brian Mudrick had a great call, but he saw it clearly. But sometimes you don't, and you try to stretch things out to you know exactly who the goal scorer is. But I guess it's just a long way of saying it's uh, mistakes are going to happen. It's just you try to mitigate them with as much homework as you can, and and try to use your experience. But uh, you can only hope for the for the big moments. Uh, and for years, we didn't have any Sergio and I. And then the Canadians went to the final, and they I think they went five and one in overtimes in that uh, stretch. So, you know, we got our, our share of them then, even though the building wasn't full. It was, it was still a great time. All right. So we're going to wrap it up pretty quick. Hey, Claire's got to go. Thank you for being there. I, I need to ask, though, Dan, before we get into the last, last thing, when is Pierre-Luc Dubois going to be in Montreal? So wearing a Habs jersey, I, wearing a Habs jersey. <laughs> I'll ask him on Monday when I see him at practice. I'm sure he'll give me an answer. Is, is that like I'll a weird you. cloud hanging? Because let's be honest, Dan, he hasn't outright said it, but it, it, and I, we don't want to assume anything, but it seems like yeah. there's something there. It doesn't seem to be casting a shadow on the Jets' room, though. I, I don't think so. I, I mean, it's obviously it's that that rumor or that whisper is bigger in Montreal than it is there I think and you talk with with Pierre look and he is you know driven to become as as good as he can be and all I'll, I will say about this watching him night after night uh, this guy is a beast like he Dave Poulin told me once and he's right he said anybody can hold the puck any NHLer can be strong on the puck when they're holding it close to their so if your left shot, when they're holding it close to your left foot, he's, and he said, Yager, if he had his arms extended, he was strong on the puck, even when it was that far out. And, mm-hmm. and Dubois is that guy. Really? He's, I'm not saying he's Yager, but he, and he draws, he'll draw two people to him. Somebody is always open. Create space. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, it's to watch what he's doing this year. He had a little bit of a slump before the break, but. I don't use this term much, but he's a, he's a monster. Like he is a special, he's going to be a special he's player. 24 so. years old. Yeah, yeah, he's just, he's got a lot of good years ahead of him. I didn't know when he first went there from Columbus, the numbers weren't great, whatever, who knows why, but yeah. this is an emerging, I don't want to say superstar, whatever, but he's a tremendous player. I think the last time I checked, in terms of star power, the Jets are actually the number one team in the league, because when you look at, you know, you got Wheeler, uh, Shifley, and then you have Ehlers, and then you have Dubois, and I'm thinking, I'm missing someone else, uh, Kyle Connor. Um, yeah, Connor is wicked. Connors, that, and, that uh, you know, oh. Morrissey, Hellebuck, these are Morrissey. all legitimate stars, so... Yeah. I think the Jets is a, are the team, maybe not Habs fans, but are a team that most of Canada could get behind if, you know, and I, I don't care if people cheer for them or not, but I remember some of yeah. my fondest memories were cheering for Calgary when they went uh, to the final against the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, like that, yeah. that felt fun. I feel like, but nowadays fans are too cool to cheer for other teams, but I'd be able, I think I'd be able know, to, yeah. to cheer for the Jets. Yeah, and they're in a spot, Mark, where I think they, you mentioned you mentioned Dubois. I don't know about his future. Blake Wheeler's got a couple years left in his deal. Shifley is the same. Hellebuck is in his prime. So it's almost like they have to make something happen now because yeah. there's they're right there. So it's it's going to be fun the next couple of months. I think. 
Yeah, well, that's the other part is we're actually seeing teams go for it, which is pretty entertaining. And, and we're going to see some more dominoes start to move with the, with the deadline coming. And do you think the Jets are going to pick up? I mean, they they seem pretty solid, right? I, I don't see any weaknesses in that lineup. Yeah, the only thing I think is, uh, so Cole Perfetti's been in the top six all year, and he's been very good. But he just turned 21 on New Year's Day. Okay. It's his first full season. Pressure, intensity picks up after the All-Star break. Is he going to be, when they get to the playoffs, is he going to be able to to match that intensity and, and stick it out? Uh, maybe, but I think if they got another top six winger, that would help. Rick Bonus talks a lot about the fact that they're not a good face-off team. Uh, I'm sure they'll get somebody in there who can win a draw. And they need, like Christian they need depth on defense. Uh, well, there's a good guy. That's right. Yeah. Hey, no, and honestly, you, he's, he's, pretty, he's a pretty good bottom six is. center. <laughs> he is. If he's your, you know, if he's your number... Three, so four. Lowry's a number. Lowry's a number three. If Dvorak's your number four, you're, you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's some guys out there. I mean, Jonathan Taves is the guy. He's from Winnipeg. He's a 64% face-off, two cups, three cups, I guess, and uh, whatever. There's it's always we always have fun with this. But those are some of the holes they need to fill, I think. Well. The way I look at it is that um, it should be Sean Monahan in that case, uh, <laughs> which would be a fun story. Now, before we let you go, Dan, um, again, I just want because it felt so weird how you left this summer. And, and Montreal lost a lot of talent this summer. It wasn't just you and John. We also lost Julian McKenzie. He was just a you know fantastic yeah. writer. He went out to Calgary. Yeah. Um, do you kind of feel like there was some unfinished business in Montreal? Uh no, I, I don't think so, Mark. And I, I appreciate you saying that. But I, I, you know, I, I had an inkling uh, in June that this was going to happen. So I kind of got my head wrapped around it. It's, it's just it took a while to to get done. But uh, as I said, it was something that I've been kind of looking for. So, um, but it was it was weird. It, it was good and weird at the same time when we went back uh, in mid January and. I'm going to thank Paul Gallant. Paul uh, looks after the game day presentation. I know Paul. Yeah, I used to he, work with him. Great, yeah, great guy. Yeah, exactly. He is, and he arranged for them to say welcome back. And I, you know, here I am. Oh, the he's the one that did that with your. It was a terrible picture, is. Dan. It was a bad picture. I know that picture. That's like uh, God. I was in my 30s then, and I'm not in my 30s now. But it was, it was, it was kind of him, and uh, I was pretty stunned. I knew it was coming, but uh, that was. I was reminded what a great great crowd it is and how much fun it is to call a game here so you know i i i love my time there but i'm i'm where i should be right now i think i like that that's right you know and and we knew it was only a matter of time before you'd you'd end up getting on tv well, but uh you know it, it i think it just goes to show in a, in a city where a single sport takes a headline every single day for the last hundred years you still stand <laughs> out as one of the best which and you know we're talking about Thank you. some of the heavy hitters in the history of sports uh, broadcasting so you know uh, obviously from Nova Scotia but I think there's always going to be a special place for you here uh, in, in Montreal and honestly Dan I just want to thank you for the time you put in because I saw you prep I saw the amount of work you put into it I saw how seriously you took this um, almost as a sign of respect for, for the guys on the ice right so I, I think that's something that if young young broadcasters or people that want to break into broadcasting are listening you got to do your homework. You got, but Dan would sit. You'd sit down for what two, three hours and, and prep your notes, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I still do, and and I still look, try to look at new ways to do it, and I still will get in the middle of a game and think, man, I should have looked this up beforehand. But uh, yeah, we all have routines, but it's you just 
half of the stuff I would do, I would never reference during a game, but it's just nice to know that it's in your back pocket if you need to get to it. And I do. I see other broadcasters and the way they the way they get ready, and it, it's uh, pretty impressive. It's just whatever works for you, and, and over time, you hopefully find out what that is. I was reminded today with by, by Pierre Hood how lucky we've been in terms of just the voices, uh, the voices here. Now, I know this is a little. There is actually is 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 your daughter still around? Okay, I want you to say hi to. I was gonna say their names, but I actually I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't. Um, but please say hi to your daughter and your I son will. for me. I will. Is is your son still interested in jumping into this industry? No, I think he, he got smart about it. Oh, that. thank God, because I didn't want to tell him, like, don't do it, buddy. Don't do it. Yeah, stay away. Stay away. But he still has a great jersey collection, and uh, he's going to come to visit me in March in Winnipeg. And, and my daughter did a couple of weeks ago, not even a couple of weeks ago. And then we spent some time in Vancouver, so they're great. And I'll pass that along. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we that's part of the sacrifice, too. I don't see them as much as, as I would like to, but we always make time for each other when we can, so... So that's that's what's most important. Well, I'm glad. I think the only game I went to this year, or was it last year? Either way, I believe they're both your both your kids were there. So that that's a yeah. You know, that's really that's your best moment, right? Was sharing the booth with your children. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and and it happened uh, a few times because you um, talked about it for five or ten years beforehand. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 true, and so they and they'll do that again. Uh, my son, when he comes, will go see a Sharks game. It's a game that TSN's not covering in, in Winnipeg. Oh. But uh, yeah, when you can when you can do those things and and uh, have some fun with it, it's you know it's it's uh, it's pretty gratifying. So you know we talk all the time, and as I said, I we get to see each other when we can. My son is 21, my daughter's 23, so they're they're two fine people. I did something right along the way, Mark, or I was a part of it anyway. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah exactly. <laughs> Thank you for stopping me from saying something horrible there. <laughs> uh, honestly, on behalf of Habs fans, and I know, again, I know you don't like hearing this, but uh, I've never heard a single negative thing about you, Dan. And, and in a market where criticism and there's language debates and there's so many other superfluous things here, it's so easy to, to annoy or piss off one person. And I feel like when the news dropped, there wasn't a single person that said a single negative thing. And the, to me, that's the mark of a person. So um, I know they love you here. And uh, I know once in a while, Dan, I'll sneak in. I'll, I'll watch a Jets game just to get that familiar, familiar <laughs> Dan Robertson uh, vibe to the air. But honestly, Dan, thanks you for all your thanks you. Thank you for all your time here. And thanks for taking time today. Because I believe do you not have a game coming up there soon or? Uh, no, we're not doing that game. That's uh, we we do the the Valentine's Day game against uh, Seattle. So it's oh yeah, you're in Montreal anyway. So that <laughs> I say Sportsnet game, even though I'm not supposed to say that. So I'll just watch like everybody else and I'll enjoy it. But thanks, Mark. I appreciate you saying that. And and yeah, I, when I moved along, I got some really kind words. So I thank people for that. It's nice to know that you know you you work hard and sometimes it works out. So that's really kind of you and kind of people to say that sort of thing. And before we go, when's the last? I haven't uh, seen much, but how's uh, how's Chris doing? Chris Nyland just turned sixty-five two days ago. And, I was uh, watching some he, video of him just scoring goals the other day. Man, he he was. I know we only talk about his knuckles, but he, he could score. <laughs> he had twenty-one goals one year, and part of a really good third line with uh, with Carbono and. McPhee, I believe it was. Mike McPhee. Uh, but he's great. Yeah, no, he's in great shape and spent a lot of time in Hawaii. And 
uh, yeah, he's always great. He does a better job of reaching out than I do, but he's, yeah, he's a good friend. So I'm, I'm glad for him that he's, he's happy with his life and 65 and he looks like he's, you know, about 45. So he's doing I well. still wouldn't, wouldn't dare come. No, no, you wouldn't. Like, no. <laughs> not even with Bear Mace, not even with Bear Mace. Hey no. Dan, <laughs> give our regards to John as well. If you can, I know Habs fans, uh, yeah. miss him too. And, and just good luck going forward because I know I know I know how much work you put into it. I know how much people appreciate it, and uh, and I know you're not the type of person that ever wants to brag. Uh, you know, you're kind of that old school mentality where good work should just come to the forefront. That's kind of lost these days. So I respect that. I respect the hell out of it. Thank you. And uh, thanks for calling some of the best games in you know the last twenty years in Montreal. It's honestly well, was the best best time of my life. And, and thanks for the kind work and keep up the good work yourself, Mark. Cheers. And we're going to end right now, but before we go, because my overlords are going to get angry and I always forget to do this. You got to subscribe and like, and you got to do all that crap or else they're going to yell at me. Um, but do it for Dan, do it for Dan. And maybe he'll record a goal song. Would you do that? You know, you know, cameo, do you ever hear of that cameo, Dan? It's like, I, I have heard of it. Yeah, Chris told me about it, actually. You, you put, yeah. Okay, I was thinking play-by-play -play guys should all have it on there, and that way you could narrate my answering machine. I would do that for a case of uh, Labatt 50. Labatt Psychop. Exactly. Dan remembers my beer. All right. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you so much, everyone here. Okay. We're going to be back tomorrow. We have Tim Turk uh, will be joining us in the game uh, after the Oilers. He's uh, He was Brendan Gallagher's shooting coach, Kirby Dock's shooting coach, Kirby Doc's shooting coach, and I believe he's actually in Nova Scotia right now teaching a, uh, a junior hockey team. So make sure to tune in tomorrow after the Oilers game. And for now, on behalf of me and Dan Robertson, thank you so much, Habs fans. Honestly, you know, we wouldn't have careers if it wasn't for awesome Habs fans like you. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you tomorrow. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Oh, that was great, Dan. Thank you. No, my pleasure. Thanks for the kind words, Mark.